This is Trek FM. Hailing frequencies open, this is your Trek FM Hyper Channel for Wednesday, June 4th, 2014. I'm Christopher Jones, and today I'm going to break with the normal format just a little bit because it has been a crazy day here in the Trek FM studios for me. I think I set a record today recording six shows. Now, some of these are Fire Network and some are shows that I'm guesting on. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Scott Herzog, who is from The Sci-Fi Diner, which is a show many of you may know, and if you don't, you should definitely go check out Sci-Fi Diner. Scott also does a show called Podcast Gear Show, and we sat down to talk about the art of podcasting and some of the equipment that we use and some of the tools that we use as well. And we did three segments, which you will hear eventually. They will come out at different times. So it's been a really long day. And I also recorded an episode of The Orb. And I just finished recording an episode of Continuing Mission with Greg Locke from the UK, who is doing a film called Star Trek Ambush. And we learned all about the behind the scenes of that. And that'll be out this Saturday. So today, instead of the usual news format, I'm going to go through one story that I saw today, and this is from io9. Now, as you may know, io9 likes to do these lists of the top 10 this and the top 10 that. And they're generally interesting when it comes to Star Trek because the writers at io9 and I typically don't see eye to eye on Star Trek and, and what we feel is good or what we feel is bad. But I enjoy reading their stories. And this one is from Charlie Jane Anders. And she's put together a list of the top 10 least threatening Star Trek villains. And I'm going to share my thoughts on them. And then I would like to hear from you if you agree that these are the 10 least threatening villains in Star Trek. Now, Anders does have a note on her article that says, We debated pretty endlessly which bad guys belonged on this list. It could have been all one-shot original series baddies. It could also have been nothing but random antagonists from Next Generation Season 2. We also left out baddies that were intentionally weak, like the Packlids make it go, or just bizarre, like the cheese on Voyager. We debated whether the holodeck counts as a villain. And that's a good point there, because I think and I suspect that Darren, Daniel, and Philip from our TNG show Earl Grey might agree that there were times when the holodeck maybe was a villain. And as for the cheese on Voyager, look, the cheese on Voyager is a classic baddie. you got to get it to sick bay, But maybe it doesn't need to be on the list. So let's see who they did put on the list. Number 10, the Breen. Okay, I, I, don't, I don't know. My first thought when I saw this was, how on earth can you put the Breen on a list of the top 10 least threatening villains when they attacked Earth? And they busted the Golden Gate Bridge into two pieces and left parts of Starfleet headquarters in flames. That's pretty threatening, if you ask me. Well, 
Their reasoning for it was that the Breen were built up as this formidable opponent, and then they just faded out. Well, the the thing is that they were built up at the end of DS9. They were brought in as one last challenge for the Federation. So there really wasn't time to build them up into some kind of big ongoing threat. I don't think the Breen belong on this list. I think the Breen are pretty threatening. Number nine, God from Star Trek V. This one's interesting. They, I mean, they put God because that's who this alien was pretending to be. Is this alien threatening? No, this alien is not threatening. So I do think this belongs on the list. This alien can't do anything unless he lures a starship to him. And even then, wasn't really able to do very much. So while the concept of the story of Star Trek V, I actually think is pretty interesting, the the god character, the god alien at Shakari was really not very threatening. So pretty good choice there, I would say. Number eight, Space Hippies from the way to Eden. <laughs> I knew these guys were going to have to be on the list. Threatening? No. Maybe only to your ears with their jam session. And of course, their, as they call it in the article here, penny anti-philosophy. Their main weapon seems to be calling Kurt Herbert, as Anders writes in the piece here. And I have to agree. There have been few villains in Star Trek less threatening than the space hippies from the way to Eden. So good choice there again. Props on that. Now, number seven, Sela from TNG, which is, of course, the daughter of Tasha Yar in the alternate timeline from yesterday's Enterprise, who somehow pops up again to be a thorn in the side of Picard. And it's interesting that Sela went on to be a thorn in the side of Picard one of the plots in the novel Death in Winter revolves around Sela still trying to get Picard and capturing or trying to capture Beverly Crusher as well. Is Sela threatening? I don't know. I mean, she she's a, a pretty tough cookie. I wouldn't want to mess with Sela. Does she deserve to be number seven on a list of least threatening baddies? Probably not. But let me know what you think. Number six is Fear, as in Fear the Clown from Voyager. This is an interesting choice for me. I know a lot of fans don't like this episode of Voyager. This is the episode The Thaw, which doesn't really clue you in by its name that this is the one that had Michael McKeon playing a clown who represented Fear Incarnate. I didn't really like this episode when it first came on either. It's grown on me over the years. I think the concept is interesting, and I think that Michael McKeon does a really nice job of playing the clown. He's someone who I knew growing up from Laverne and Shirley, and then of course he was on Saturday Night Live as well. Seeing him play this role, I always found it very interesting, and I still find it interesting when I rewatch the episode. And the idea that you could literally be scared to death, you could actually be killed by fear, 
it's Star Trek's way of of expressing something that we say figuratively, which actually does have a real impact on people. Now, is the villain threatening? Like that's the question. And like I said with God, maybe this particular clown isn't threatening. And they were able to defeat him. But if you think about the concept of what the episode is trying to get at, fear is very threatening. So I think as a villain, fear maybe shouldn't be on this list. The clown, eh, I don't know. Let me know what you think. Number five, the not cool. These are the guys at the end of season three Enterprise, Stormfront, the cliffhanger, where this alien wearing a Nazi uniform comes out of the shadows. And you can't really see what he looks like. And it was so soon after Nemesis had been in the theater, it was just a couple of years after that, that you, at least for me anyway, the Remans were still very fresh in my mind. And my very first reaction when I saw it was, what's a Reman doing on Earth during World War II. Well, of course, it wasn't a Riemann. It was the Nakul, who turned out to be a race involved in the Temporal Cold War, which was a storyline that was never really fleshed out, never really made a whole lot of sense to anyone. And it was kind of a weird way to wrap up the Zindi arc. So are the Nakul threatening? Well, they they could have screwed up the timeline and caused Germany to win World War II and the Federation to never exist. So that's kind of threatening, I think. But as Star Trek villains go, I might agree here. I'm not surprised to see them on the list. Number four, Ruafo from Star Trek Insurrection. Now, this is the guy with his skin stretched so tight that there had to have been a lawsuit against his sonar surgeon. I I have to say, I just, I never really bought into Ruafo as a villain. I actually like Star Trek Insurrection. I know a lot of fans don't like this movie. They feel it's the weakest of the next generation movies, and it might be the weakest of the next generation movies, but that's not to say that it's a bad movie. It actually, I think, is the truest TNG movie It's the film that was truest to what TNG was as a series. And of course, that's some of the criticism that's levied against it sometime. But as villains go, Ruafo never really worked for me. And the fact that he was not able to control the situation himself places him firmly in the non-threatening villain list for me as well. So this one sounds pretty good. Now, number three on the list is Janice Lester from The Turnabout Intruder. The Turnabout Intruder is its just a bizarre episode. It's the, technically the finale to the original series, but it's not really a finale. It's just the last episode. We had a lot of fun on it on the Ready Room. Long time ago, Ready Room episode 69, we named it the Ultimate F.U. Finale. <laughs> And we had a lot of fun talking about this episode. Janice Lester, a threatening villain. Yeah, I I don't know. Not really. A bizarre villain? Yeah, definitely. In fact, 
Anders writes here in the article, she has to start acting like a bizarre stereotype of a hysterical lady, eventually alerting Spock and McCoy to the awful truth. It's not like impersonating Kirk requires any dignity or anything. She could have pulled it off. Well, okay, I don't know about that last part there. That seems like an unnecessary jab at Captain Kirk. I will say, though, that the portrayal of Janice Lester as a woman in the episode was a very 60s and doesn't really sit very well with me these days. I'm okay with Janice Lester being on this list. Number two, Seska and the Kazon. Yeah, Kazon. I would say Kazon should be number one on this list, except for who's actually number one on this list. The Kazon, for me, are possibly the worst villain in Star Trek. I never liked them from the day Caretaker premiered. I never liked them through all the time that they were on Voyager. They just... They never worked for me as a villain. They're too much like Klingons. A lot of people call them junkyard Klingons, which I think is probably an appropriate term. They do threaten the ship and they threaten the crew at times, but they shouldn't be able to with the way that they're set up, with their technology, the way that their social structure is set up. They're they're definitely a weak villain. And they really only get any teeth when Seska joins forces with them. But even then, they're they're more of a nuisance. If this list were top 10 villains who were nuisances in Star Trek, I'd probably put Seska and the Kazon at number one. I'm fine with them being number two here on this list. Now, number one, this is probably who I would put at number one as well. And you can already guess who it is. It's the Ferengi. And Anders says, there could be no other choice for number one. Because Trek really, really wanted the Ferengi to be the scary new aliens when TNG launched. Well, due to some very poor direction, primarily, the Ferengi ended up being a laughing stock in The Last Outpost. And they never really came into their own in any way until they fell into the hands of the DS9 writers and Armin Shimmerman, who actually was in The Last Outpost, by the way, but Armin Shimmerman portraying Quark and actually fleshing them out and finding a way to use them that meant something to Star Trek and to Star Trek's goal of social commentary, but not as a villain, but as a way of talking about who we are, especially who we were in the 20th century, because the Ferengi are probably the closest to 20th century humans that you'll find in Star Trek. But as villains, they absolutely did not work. But it's probably a good thing that it turned out the way it did, because by needing to find another villain for the Next Generation crew, we ended up with the Borg. So thank you, Ferengi, for that. Well, that's the list of the top 10 least threatening Star Trek villains, as selected by io9 and Charlie Jane Anders, let me know what you think about these choices. Again, quickly to recap, number 10, the Breen. Number 9, God from Star Trek V. Number 8, Space Hippies from The Way to Eden. Number 7, Sella. Number 6, Fear the Clown from Voyager. 
Number five, the Nakul. Number four, Ruafo. Number three, Janice Lester. Number two, Seska and the Kazon. And number one, the Ferengi. Let me know what you think. You can find me on Twitter. My username is C Brian Jones. That's the letter C and Brian with a Y. You can find the network on Twitter. The username there is Trek FM. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash trekfm. We're on Google Plus where we have a community. Just search G Plus Communities for Trek.fm and you'll find us. We have traditional forums on our website at trek.fm slash forums. And you can even send us voicemail if you'd like to let us know what you think that way. You'll see the widget right there in the sidebar on the show page for this episode of Hyper Channel over at Trek FM. And also, before I let you go, I do have a network update. I mentioned up front today how much recording I have been doing. I've also been editing and putting out shows today. And as it's Wednesday, this week we actually have both of our Wednesday shows for you on schedule. The first one is The Ready Room, where I'm joined by Daniel Handlin, Drew Stewart, from Standard Orbit, and also Suzanne Abbott. And we talk about the Doomsday Machine this week in an episode that we named Hand-Rolled Sushi Furnace. And if you listen, you'll find out why. You can probably imagine. Just picture what the Doomsday Machine looks like in the remastered episode. And also we have the orb for you today. And my co-host Matthew Rushing is away. He's on a mission to the Great Northwest, in the United States. And so I was kind of flying solo in terms of the usual hosting of the orb, but I was joined by Daniel Hanlon and we had a great discussion about the Cardassian underground. And Daniel brought a lot of really interesting points to that discussion today. And I think you'll really enjoy it. If you like delving into deep space nine, we get really serious on our DS nine show. We have a lot of fun on the ready room. So check these out. You'll find both of these episodes in your feeds either right now or shortly after this if you subscribe to the individual feeds for The Ready Room or The Orb or to the Trek of Film Complete Master Feed. And again, you'll find these in all the places that you get your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spreaker, Swell, Blackberry, SoundCloud. We're all over the place. Or you can go to our website and you can stream the show from there. And you can grab the RSS link and pop that into your favorite podcatcher as well. Well, thanks everyone for listening today. I hope you didn't mind the different format for Hyper Channel today. I'll be back with you tomorrow with some more stories. And until then, go watch some Trek. Trek.